The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. Uh, my name's Jimmy Branch. If you're new here or you're not familiar, I'm one of the elders, Pasio's, uh, elders at Pasio. Doing that a lot this morning. Elders here at Missio and pastors. Uh, I do also the biblical counseling stuff, uh, which is like soul care. What are you struggling with? Why are you stuck? What's going on? Um, if that's something you're interested in, you can go to the website, go to Get Involved. It's top right corner, I think, in the next steps, and you can find that. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Um, once again, also, if you're new here, normally Brian Robbins is preaching. He's our lead pastor. Uh, he is in Tanzania with the rest of our Tanzania team right now, so be praying for them as they go and do mission work and help the communities that we've been supporting and trying to grow and help over there uh, pray for their safe return. Um, and come back to hear him. Brian is a really good at articulating the word. And I'm not just saying that because he's my boss, but, but he, is really, he is really good at that. Um, so right now, currently, we're going through Proverbs. We're in the book of Proverbs, and we're going through some of the wise sayings in Proverbs. Uh, today's topic is our words, and that's a huge topic. At first, I was like, oh, this is going to be like 20 minutes. I know it's big, but I'm going to keep it simple. And then as it grew, and then the more I realized our words are like everything about us. This morning, everything you've done has been words. When you guys were having community and passing the peace, that involved words. If you didn't use words, it would be really weird, to be honest with you. <laughs> the words are important. That's how we convey what's going on. We can do it through our face. We can do it through certain things, but our words mean so much. Um, uh, so Proverbs and our words, that's where we're at. Um, so as I thought about this, and I'm going to I say this to everybody. Every time I pick this bottle up, I think it's Brian's water from like two weeks ago. Hannah promised me she changes it, but I can't now have to think about it. Um, nothing wrong with Brian, just two weeks of it sitting here stewing. Um, so, uh, so as I thought about our words, as I went over this over the last few weeks, I've had too much time to think about it. And I thought about my own words and how they've impacted things what I've done, the words that I've said that were bad, the words that I didn't say that were bad, the things I listened to that I shouldn't have said. Um, and so some things did come. I thought about different uh, aspects of things in my own life that have stuck with me for a long time. And I was thinking about one that stood out to me. Um, when I was kind of a new believer, I was probably around, well, I was a believer when I was a little kid, but when I kind of started saying, okay, Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life, uh, I was probably like, 17, 18 years old, somewhere in there. And I didn't have a lot of father figures or, or a father figure in that sense, someone I could go to for Christianity. And so our youth pastor was kind of like that guy for me. I went to him for a lot of stuff. I was looking to him for direction. And uh, uh, this other person is after church one Sunday and we were talking and they were like, hey, what do you want to do for the Lord? What do you want to, what do you see yourself doing? And I was like, oh, I want to be a, a, like a teacher, like just teach. That would be so great. And I actually had someone in mind I wanted to go work for as a ministry in South Carolina. I was new to all this, but I was like, this guy's great. I like what he says, what he does, how he presents it. He's kind of a funny guy. And I just said that. I said, oh, I'm hoping. And I've asked the pastor to, to reach out to the guy for me. And so the next thing I know, this youth pastor's like, hey, let's have a, we need to meet for lunch. And so we met. He goes, hey, you can't go around telling everybody things that aren't true, that you're going to work for this ministry. And it was totally false but it crushed me. It crushed me so bad I didn't even deny it. 
You ever been hurt that bad by someone's words? It's so bad you don't even know what to do with it. Needless to say, I was kind of new to Christianity. I immediately left there very down and went and bought a pack of cigarettes. What made it worse was it was a waste of money because I didn't smoke at the um, True story. Got to rebel somehow. I got to sink into it. Um, And then I I thought of the other end of it is in my words. uh, I remember being in economics class in high school. And I don't know, you have to notice this. But when people go from the eighth grade to the ninth grade, there's this tremendous change. Like, they look one way, and then they look another way. They're, it's just like this huge change. And so guys that were not so big are now big, and et cetera, and, and they worked out over the summer. And uh, uh, so I was kind of a mouthy teenager. Uh, I said this in the first service. You could say I was smart, but you would want to add a negative to the end of that word. Because that's where I spent, that's, that was me. That's how I defended everything. And I was also always having to just, you know, be that guy. Um, and so I was doing that in this class, and this one guy decided that he was tired of it, so he kind of got in my face, and we were face-to-face, and uh, I just didn't know how to shut up. Even though I'm looking at him going like, he could beat me up. And I even said that to him. Or I didn't say that. I said, hey, man, you think you're all that, but last year you were just like this puny guy. I identified it. I identified the problem with what I was doing. And so the next thing I know, his fist connected with my mouth, and... Uh, I would like to say I fought back ferociously and won that, but that, praise God there was someone in the room, a teacher or a teacher's aide, who stopped it. And, uh, of course, he said, after school, we'll settle this. I didn't stick around for after school. And some of you would say, well, that shows you're a coward. I would say that shows I'm very wise because I wouldn't have won that battle. So what's the point in sticking around for it? And I was the guy who was at fault. So, so those are things our words can do to us in so many different ways. And I went through this words thing and how we use them and everything. So anyway, but real quick before you do that, what are Proverbs? So, and preaching from Proverbs is tough. I've never preached from Proverbs. Uh, Well, I take that back. I did preach from Proverbs one time and it was really good sermon, but it it wasn't like what we're doing here. It's hard to find long passages. Uh, Proverbs is a lot of principles. Uh, They're principles for living. They're things to meditate upon. They are not promises. I heard a pastor say this the other day. They're not promises. Sometimes even when you use kind words, you're still going to get it. But there's principles of how we can treat each other, how we should look at the Lord, and how we should be to one another. Um, Brian reminded us a couple weeks ago when he started this. He said, biblical proverbs are wisdom from above through King Solomon and others. They're wise words for life. They're good things to meditate upon, and they are reiterated in the New Testament. Um, Brian made this statement. He said, These are here to help us learn and live, not live and learn. See, what happened in my economics class was me living and learning. Uh, Whereas if I had learned first, then I would have had a better day that day. Um, So anyway, so on this words thing, Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. As a matter of fact, it has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. And that's going to hurt all the other guys who are preaching from Proverbs because I've got the number one subject in Proverbs. But... um, (laughs) But it is true. It, it addresses more in our lives, more than money, sex, or family. And I'll tell you why. That right there does it because those are trigger words for all of us. When I said money, there were people in this room that were like, yeah, money. And then there were people in here like, money. Money. Man, I need money. And then when I said sex, there was just some people that were like, looked up from their phone. They're like, what's happening? And then, and then when I said family, there were people in here who were like, family, do you want to see the, the pictures of my grandkids, 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 or whatever, you know, we're going to this. and then there were people here that were like, family, what does that mean? 
and that's a hurtful word. So there's triggers. They give us instantly give us visuals. Uh, words can penetrate our hearts. And I will say the scariest thing about tre- preaching a message on words is there will be people offended by the words I say today. It's just going to happen. Like, it just is what it is. But I'm just going to share with you what the word says. <laughs> that's funny. The word says about words. Uh, uh, it's always great when you're up here and you actually get something while you're doing it. Uh, we, uh, so we see the power of words in creation when God speaks uh, the universe and our world into existence. We see that in Genesis. Uh, great place to go to learn about that, that he actually uses words. He speaks the universe into creation. He speaks us into, crea- into existence. Now, disclaimer, um, because people get words wrong. This is God, not you. I'm not in any way advocating that you go home today and try to create your own world. I'm just saying this is an illustration, not instruction, and it points to something else in us. Um, first of all, words... We see it in creation. Let there be. God was like, let there be. He uses words. We use words in marriage. I do. When you say I do, you're entering a covenant. It's a huge, big deal. When you get saved, you say I believe. When you pray, you say please help. Using words. Now, he knows our hearts, but those words, they're important to us. And as I thought about this, I thought the fact that we speak at all is an obvious sign that God made us. God uses words. We use words. Now, here's where I'm going to step on some feet. Feet. Step on some feet. Multiples. Um, Animals do not use words. Now, I get it. My dog, when it wants to go out, we, I don't know if anybody else has done this, but we hung like jingle bells, like bells on the front and back door. And so when the dog wants to leave, and I can always tell when it's important and not so important. If it's not so important, he's like, ding. When it's really important, he's like whacking that thing. And you have to go. So he's, But he's not speaking, right? Or when he wants back in, he barks until the point where I go, okay, that's going to annoy the neighbors and they're going to call the police, so i got to let him in. Um, But here's the difference. That's a learned behavior. They know what can get them where they want to go. They don't have abstract thought. They don't have critical thinking. We have those. And that's why words are very important to us because we can think about what we're saying before we say them. We can think about the person we're talking to before we say it. We can think about what God wants us to say before we say it. So all that is to say we are made in the image of God. We are like God. He speaks words and we speak words. The word there is imago day or two words. So Ray Ortland, um, and I'm going to use him a little bit here, he really... His book on Proverbs is really good, but he says this. He said, like God, we use words to create trust and form relationships and build community. But unlike God, we use words to destroy trust and break relationships and divide community. Like God, we use words for one heart to touch another heart at a deeper level. But unlike God, we use words for one heart to break another at a deeper level. And there's a lot of people right now that are relating to that. So it's words that have broke us at that most deepest level. I don't know why I'm parched today. Maybe coffee does that to you. Um, so Proverbs is a treasure trove of wisdom to meditate upon. It's good stuff. And you can just go through it and read into it. And I love the illustrations in Proverbs, like especially in the beginning when it talks about wisdom and it says she cries aloud in the streets. She cries aloud to come and hear of this wisdom. But we turn her other way. That is, uh, that, it's in the first couple of three chapters there of Proverbs. And it's putting that importance on, like, learn from God. Come hear from God. Hear what God has to say. Um, So I'm going to read you some Proverbs just to give you an idea. They're all over the place. Um, 
But I'm going to read you something just to give you an idea. This isn't going to be our focus, but Proverbs 10, 18 through 19. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Every introvert in here just went, that's right. That's right. All you extroverts always running your mouth. So, so yay introverts for sure. But when I say that, I instantly go, but then Jesus said it's in our hearts too. Cause I, so I know introverts. I have a lot of them in my life. They might not be saying it, but in the side they're going, shut up. You know, like they're feeling it. Um, so our heart's there. Proverbs 10, 31 through 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That might have been the one I should have known before that economics class. Um, Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. And when I read this, I thought about, I don't know how many people here know Watson and Becky Frawley. Uh, they go to church here. They're using the first service. He is a, he's our resident beekeeper, and he brings this honey, and it's so pure and clear. I think he said now he's, get, he's collecting in like five-gallon buckets. But it's, you think about that honey, how sweet it is and how pure it is, and just what it's good for. And here he's comparing that to these gracious words. Um, they're sweetness to the soul. They're good for us. They make things better. They, they come to us in those moments. And when we speak those words to each other, it means so much. So Proverbs 27, 14, it's one of my favorites. Um, because I'm going to say up right now, if you're that person who comes to work singing, walking on sunshine and bouncing around, the rest of us aren't ready for it. But Proverbs 27, 14 says this, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. See, that's the kind of scripture I'm like, see, this is real stuff, you know? I'm like, hey, Solomon got it. Because I can see Solomon getting up, stretching, and one of his servants was like, hey, it's a great day, ain't it? But he's had a rough night, and he's like, so, so those will teach us, like, sometimes you just need to let people get away. Um, so our scripture focus for today, and it's just one scripture, it's messed with the whole staff. Uh, even someone asked me this morning, they're like, is that a lot allowable to do one verse? But we're doing many, but we're doing one. And it's uh, Proverbs 18:21. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I'm going to repeat that. I repeat a lot of stuff because I notice Jesus does that, but I think it's because he knows that nobody's listening, so he repeats it twice. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of the Lord. God. Father God, we just come before you, and we thank you for this opportunity to come and praise your name and to make much of your son. Lord, I pray as we listen to this today, those things that are just gibberish and waste of time, that you'd let them fall to the wayside, but those things that you want us to know and penetrate our hearts, it would dig deep and it would change us and it would sanctify us and it would grow us and that we would walk out of here being better ambassadors for you than we've ever thought about being and be more in love with you and your word than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. So real quick on the end of that, uh, those who love it will eat its fruits. We're not really going to talk about that. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. If you love the fruits of gracious words, you're going to get the fruits of that. If you find yourself always doing it, being negatively, your words or those evil words, you're going to eat the fruit of that. It's pretty cut and dry. Like what you love um, in those things, in your words, you're going to eat the fruit of it. So that being said, 
So I want you to finish this. I think Brian probably, if you've been here for a while, I think he did this. I remember him doing this a while back, probably three or four years ago. Um, But I want you to finish this just so we're on the same page. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but how many people believe that? So I've, I've healed a lot of, somebody asked me the other day, they said, they were talking about broken bones. They were like, how many bones have you broken? They just assumed I had because of things I've been into. And I was like, I've only actually, actually a few years, a couple years ago, I did break my wrist, but I broke one. It was my face. Literally, I broke my face. And so, but I got over that. But there's been people who've spoke words to me that I still, I mean, that youth pastor did that to me 30 years ago or 25 or something like that. And I'm still coming to the surface. Um, words hurt. So there are good words. There are words of comfort. There's words of encouragement and there are words of healing. And we can do all those. We're all capable of that. And there are destructive words, words of shame, guilt, um, or spite. With our tongue, we can tear down or we can build up. We make a choice. The New Testament re- reinforces this. James says this. The whole, it's a chapter three. You don't have to turn there. But if you just read the whole entire chapter three, I don't know what happened to James, but he is lighting it up. He ain't playing around. He says this, first, starting with verse six, going to verse 10 in James. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And I love how he finishes this because this shows the depth with which James is wrestling with this. He goes, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. He's seeing it in the church. All the, all the letters in the New Testament, with the exception of the Gospels, all the epistles, they're written to the church. All this stuff's written to you. They're dealing with that same stuff, and here he's dealing with it. Why are you doing these things? Why are you tearing each other down? Why are you fighting over who has the seat in the front or the seat in the back? My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So he's seeing people going at each other. And I'm going to try not to hurt too many feelings here. But as Americans, we may even have more tongue control issues, I think. I don't know. I haven't been all over the world, but I, got, I think we're kind of, we've been given freedom for that, and, and sometimes we don't think it through. Ray Orland, I'm going to quote Ray Orland again. Like I said, he, he really put this in the right words. He says, in our political culture, we have the right, if it's a right, nobody can stop us to blurt out whatever we feel. But when we become Christians, we enter a new culture where we surrender that right. Listen to me. Follow through on this. Nobody's asking you to give up the Constitution or your rights. He's saying this. We enter a new culture where we surrender that right. We stop blurting out whatever we feel. We bring our words under the judgment of God's word. The Bible says a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Sometimes we just don't stop and listen. And we speak without thinking, and then we just do damage. There are many areas we could. Co- there's many areas I could cover when it when it comes to us and our words. Um, but for the sake of time today, I'm just going to focus on two that I feel like stand out to me. Like I said, I could probably do four weeks of this easy. But the first one is the lies we speak and the lies we listen to and spread. And secondly, our deadly words and life giving words. 
This first one's going to be kind of short because I could, I, once again, it could be a whole sermon, but the lies we speak. Proverbs 12, says this. It says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's a pretty big word. If I was like, your parking is an abomination to me, you would be like, he's pretty serious about his parking. So lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Now, whether it be our husband, husbands and wives, politicians, friends, co-workers, lying is destructive. And we can get into all the semantics. I've had this, these conversations. It's tough, but um, it's destructive. Um, you may say, it's just the way things are, Jimmy. It's just the way they have to be. And I've felt that way before. Um, it's just little lies. It keeps the peace. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm guilty of that. If it's a path of easiest resistance, I find myself sometimes either withholding information or just saying, just saying, I look at it this way and I go, well, it doesn't hurt anything and it makes it better for them. But at the end of the day, it creates this wall. It starts building this little wall. Um, we can justify stuff. I watch us as Christians, we do that often. But then as I read this and I started thinking about it, um, those little lies, uh, it says lying is repulsive to the Lord. Um, Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. I want you to remember that and think about that. He said the devil is the father of lies. That's in John 8, 44. Now wait, I know what you're saying. They can't, that can be true of all, all fibs. And you can discern that with yourself and the Lord right now, whatever he's putting on your heart. But I will tell you this, false words conceal us from each other. And sometimes even those little ones, I'll tell you what hurts more is when someone finds out you lied about a little thing because then they go, what else are they lying about? That little thing? I find myself doing this. I'll, I'll go, instead of saying, hey, I can't talk right now, I'll be like, oh, wait, is that Brian calling me down the hallway or something? And then I'll go, and the God will convict me. Why you do that? Why do I do that? I justify it as in helping someone or making it easier on them. But honesty is important. Those things hurt. It's hurting me right now to say that. Um, so false words conceal us from each other. True words make love, trust, and intimacy possible. Built on truth. What are the truths we, we are speaking? Even when we share the gospel, what are we about? But speaking lies is only half the problem, right? Listening to lies, gossip, flipping attacks on others, this is an issue too. Um, Proverbs 17, 4 says this, an evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. God wants us to know that just listening to lies or tolerating evil shares in the evil. How many churches have split because of those two parties? I was thinking about this. I travel a lot for, for work and I, it embarrasses me as a Christian when I go through a town and it's First Baptist and they might as well name the other one Second Baptist. But they probably got in a fight over who was First Baptist. I'm surprised it's not First Baptist and First Baptist or First and First Baptist. Like you see this and they're sharing a piece of property and you're like, and that's how those things happen. Someone says something, someone else says something and they don't pay attention and then it divides the congregation. These words that people spread, they hurt. I was part of a conversation not long ago. I was listening to some other pastors and they had something, some good stuff that they wanted to happen. But I can, I remember them saying, but we've got to get out ahead of these two or three people at church. That shouldn't be. What does James say? This ought not be. Because they know if they don't get out ahead of those people, they're going to twist it and ruin it. 
goes on everywhere. So um, sharing in the sin, I'm going to elaborate on it. So, so like when we listen to these lies and we listen to what um, others say and we don't do anything about it, and we're kind of partakers in it. Maybe we don't squash it, we let it go on. Or maybe we don't interject and say, I hear what you're saying about so-and-so, but maybe, there have got, maybe they've got something else going on. Maybe they, maybe they weren't snubbing you. Maybe they just got a phone call from someone saying they needed to go check on their mother who was dying. You don't know. I do that. Man, my neighbor's a jerk today. But what I don't know is he's dealing with a bunch of stuff that's on his mind, and he doesn't have time to stop and talk about when he's going to cut his grass. I don't know what complaint I might have for him, but... So we need to think about that. What part are we taking in those lies? Are we the ones maybe spreading some little things? Because here's what someone said to me the other day, um, um, and it was really powerful. It wasn't anybody in this, and they said, there's power in words. I said, yeah, there's power in words. They said, no, people love that power. When they have a word that someone else doesn't have, there's the power of holding it, because I've got something you don't have, or the power of sharing it, being in the know. We are drawn to those things. So now we're going to look at the second part. Our words are both life and death. This will be my main focus today, that 1821. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue can kill literally. We all know that. It's put a lot of life to death, whether it be the command to kill someone or just the words of others. But I thought about this. So the other day I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the suicides that I've been around, people who have taken their lives. Um, one is too many. Um, but I thought about this. The tongue can also kill spiritually. For some reason, the Lord put it on my heart, Adam and Eve. Like he said, if you eat of this tree, you will, you will die. And they did. They died spiritually. So our words to one another can kill someone else spiritually. It can drag them down. It can put weight on them that they're going to have to carry that sticks with them. We, we need to watch that. Um, but, it, but in the physical part, we see it in... <clears throat> so we see it in the words that we have drove... Up that, or not we. We see it in the words that have drove others to end their lives. How powerful these words are. Oh, actually, let me stop. That's what... I had that glitch there. So I thought about this. The words with Adam and Eve. If you think about it, their fall started with words. Started with words. Are you sure God meant that? Did he say you couldn't eat of it? Did he say you would die? Surely not. We face this every day in everything we do. He, he just doesn't want you to know you'll be like him. It looked good to eat, but what came first? The words. So we see it in the words that have drove others to end their lives. Um, Vince Foster of the Clinton White House, and that is not a political endorsement for anything, so no emails on that. It's just an example. Vince Foster of the Clinton White House wrote in his suicide note of, of Washington, Washington, here, ruining people is considered sport. Is it just there? It's out there everywhere. I was reading one author, and, and he recalls of hearing of a suicide of a woman, um, and when she took her, her life, the only words that were in her note was, they said, they said. And as I thought about the suicides that I've been around or been near or have had to, to be a part of, um, Every one of those were a result of words either said or that were going to be said. Fear, pride, what other people are saying about a person or the lies they believe from the enemy. 
So death is in the power of the tongue. This is why Jesus says in 1236, we're going to expand on this in a second. He says this, this is hard stuff. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That terrified me. When I was like 18 and I started reading the Bible, I was like, that ain't good. So I spoke a lot of careless words. I'm going to give account. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for, for the forgiveness of sin. This should cause us to pause and evaluate every day. Um, and words don't have to be intentional to be deadly. They can be careless. I'm not wanna, I don't want to step on any, nobody's going to know, but this morning when I got to church, I got here early, but as I listened to the things going around me, I heard people saying careless words. They were hurting other people and they didn't even realize it. Just careless words. Um, Proverbs 12, 18 says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings forth healing. We need filters. And some of us need a lot more than filters. We need duct tape or we need something that says we cannot talk. <clears throat> we need filters. And where are these found? They are found in the word and the Holy Spirit. Paul says that if we follow the Holy Spirit, we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. It's only by God we can overcome these things. Um, the wounds and scars that our careless words, words make last longer uh, after the words fade. Long after they fade, they stick with that person, just like I said with the youth pastor or the, the thing that's said as a child from a parent or from a child to a parent. Your kids can say things that just knock your knees out from under you. We do it to each other, hearing our words, knowing our words. I remember one time I accidentally recorded myself, and, and my dad's not a believer or anything, but I, rem I re accidentally recorded myself as a teenager yelling at my dad because we, we had a very volatile relationship. But I remember years later, like as I became a Christian, I stumbled onto this tape. I was like recording music and stuff that I was playing, and I heard myself, and it was so humbling. I was ashamed. I'm not saying that from a worldly perspective, my dad probably deserved it, but from a Christian perspective... It was wrong. <clears throat> so with our words, we steal, kill, and destroy. We take from others. Who, who else does that? Who else steals, kills, and destroys? Who, what, did, what did Jesus say about the, who's the father of lies? We steal, kill, and destroy with our words. Our words make us an accuser of the brethren. Who is the accuser of the brethren? Same answer. But life is in the power of the tongue too. The, uh, Proverbs 12, uh, 12, 18 says this, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Uh, the, the tongue of the wise believer cares more about healing and possible, and possible injury than winning an argument. Now, I'm gonna tell you, my desire is to win an argument. I love winning those. I love winning those. Like, and I've recited them in my head sometimes. I'm like, oh, this is what I'd say and this is what I'd do. And I get all my stuff lined up. And there's people laughing because you do the same thing. Um, yeah, it's a character thing, right? Um, so so, so uh, it says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise believer cares more about healing and possible injury than winning an argument. Um, I want to pause right there because I think I need to say this. I don't think I have it said anywhere else. If I do, I'll skip it. Um, okay. 
as I was thinking about the way the words stick and how we can do that to heal each other, I was thinking, I have a, a guy that I look up to. He's like a, a father in the faith, and I've been probably seeing him for about 17 years now. And I was going through a really tough time. I don't know why I'm telling you this, and so maybe somebody needs to hear. I was going through a really tough time, and I was really down about just everything that was going on, uh, just everything, ministry, everything in life. And I'll never forget, he looked at me. We were sitting there, and he goes, Jimmy, God likes you. And that's offensive to some people because they'd be like, God loves you, man. Well, yeah, God loves me. That says he has to do that or he doesn't have to. But if someone's like, well, Brian Robbins loves you. And I'm like, yeah, right, because it tells him he has to. But it doesn't say I have to like you. That's huge. If they're like, Brian Robbins likes you, then I know and he likes something about my character. There's something in me. It's not just that he has to love me. It's more than that. And so when he said that to me, he knew the Holy Spirit laid on his heart. I needed to hear like. And that was those healing words. I was like, God likes me. And our words go a long ways. And when they're led by the Holy Spirit, they go even further. So I already read that. So anyway, the tongue of the wise believer cares more about healing and, and possible injury than winning an argument. And I will tell you, I feel like something's missing here, but three simple words that can bring healing if it's sincere and not for gain. And you know what those three words are? I am sorry, but it has to be legit. I deal with people all the time and I'm like, just watching, helping two people work through something and I can tell, I'm like, they're just caught. I am sorry. How do we... How do we give life and not death? How do we do that? How do we be like the guy who looks at me and says, God loves you? You think before you speak. You pray. There's often when I'm sitting with someone and they're talking, and I have not a clue what to do for them. I'll just start praying. I'll just be like, Lord, I don't know what to tell them right now. You're going to have to think of something. I know you already know, but you've got to tell me. We need to pray. You need to read your word. Um, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to go back to that Matthew scripture. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, uh, B through 37, and this is some rough stuff, but it's good stuff. <clears throat> this is what Jesus says. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We could just sit and dwell on that, couldn't we? The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. That is some hard stuff right there. Now, that's the beauty of Jesus too because he's, he's saying two things at the same time. He's saying, by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, or, or, and by your words you'll be condemned. He's talking about salvation, the gospel there. There's only one set of words you can say that, that's gonna take care of this. And that's what he did by taking care of it. But he's also pointing out a principle here. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that will judge you. Someone said this to me a long time ago as I think about this. Um, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Has anybody ever seen this illustration or thought about seeing this? If you take a cup, a glass, and you fill it to the top, and it's almost like it's rounding over, like it's filled to the top. And if you bump it, some people do that as a joke, like kids will fill it up, and then when the parent goes to get it, it spills everywhere. I heard someone use this illustration. What spills out when it's bumped? What spills out when your cup is bumped? When things don't go your way, or maybe the person you're encountering just 
hits you wrong, what spills out, what is in the abundance of your heart, what comes out when you're rattled. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words have life and death. So what I want, we need to do is ask the Lord, where can we have part in this? Where, can we ha- where do we have part in the death? And where can we have part in the life? Maybe it's sharing the gospel. That's the ultimate one, right? From death unto life. Made new again, born again. Nothing can beat that. But maybe it's just going to that coworker or going to that friend and saying, I'm sorry. Listen to the Lord. What is he saying to you? There is someone, I guarantee you, everybody in this room, there is someone you need to go to right now and perform healing. There's someone. And I'm sure there's someone who needs to come to you too, but we can only deal with ourselves. And so I want to close with this because words play a big part in our salvation. There are words of rescue, words of salvation. As I thought about this this week, or actually I was thinking about this, and it hit me that those sometimes there's a silence of words that leads to our salvation. So a couple weeks ago, I was sitting and I had someone, they were close to me and they were a friend and they could do this. I guess anybody could do it if they want to. But uh, as I said, I, they misrepresented me repeatedly um, in what I was feeling or saying or thinking. And inside I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no, that's not me at all. They were upset and frustrated about something. And I got started to get angry, so I wanted to lash out. But before I could even push back on him, um, it hit me that Jesus didn't say a word as he went to the cross with false accusations being hurled at him. I never thought about that too much. He had every right. Everything that was being said about him was a lie. This was the creator of the universe. This was God in the flesh. He didn't have to stay on that cross. He didn't have to go. Isaiah 53, 3-7 says this. In an illustration looking forward to the Messiah, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their face, or from, from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isn't that, I'm going to stop right there. Isn't that cool? The sorrows of that parent that's spoken the word to you that crushed you. He carried that. You can be set free from that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He took our punishment. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And here's, here's where, what popped into my mind. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So what is my role in this? These words of rescue and salvation. Of course, there's the gospel and we need to spread it. But there's some of us that are still, we've still not crossed that line. He's still not Lord of our lives. We're somewhere. We're in this nebulous. Maybe you're just here and you're going, I don't know about any of this. Stick around, please. 
So there's words of confession and salvation. Paul tells us this in Romans 10, 8 through 13. He says this, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Words are powerful. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every one. Every one. So what does that mean? Here I am, Lord. I surrender. This is a really good thing. And I didn't say this in the first service. So I remember a pastor telling me a long, long time ago, he's like, when you worship and stuff, just think of it as surrender. But there's a beauty in surrender that we don't think about. Surrender can be a good thing. It sounds like defeat, and it is in war. But like, I don't know if you've, anybody here, if you've ever seen it, like World War I and even World War II, sometimes surrendering was the sweetest thing. It was time to call it quits. It's time to stop fighting. You can see that in old World War I footage, like when they were surrendering the enemy, it was like, now this can be over. Now I can be done tooling. I can be done fighting. And that's where God wants us to come to, surrender. I'm done fighting against you, God. I'm, I'm done. And I just want what you have for me. And you got to trust him and believe him. And that's the, you got to say, I trust and I believe you. So what we're going to do is we're going to end on that. And I'm going to pray. Um, and then we're going to invite to communion. So communion, um, if you're not familiar with that, one, if you're not a believer, nobody's going to judge you for not taking it. And I will go as further to say, if you're a believer, because we don't talk, we don't say this as often as maybe I should. When it says that before you do that, before you go to the altar with anything, if you have something against your brother, you need to take care of it. Then you come to the Lord. So it's okay if right now the Lord's convicting you and you need to get something straight with him to hold off. But at the same time, communion is a great opportunity weekly to stop and go, man, I'm saved. And all my words, my careless words, because of what Jesus did, I'm not going to have to give account for every one of those. And he's sanctifying me and he's changing me and I'm working in that direction. So that's what the community can do. So, but also one other thing I want to do, we didn't do in the first service. And it's funny because I've been thinking about this and then God, I felt like two or three people actually came up to me and kind of in some way mentioned this. So when I pray, I was thinking about this the other day and I feel like God keeps bringing it up. But I think there's something therapeutic about community um, repentance. I think there's something therapeutic about us just I'm not I'm not asking you to stand up and go I did this I don't want to hear it the God knows that none of the rest of us need because then we'll be spreading rumors and everything else and you'll be the fault of it but so but I think this prayer I just want to come before the Lord and ask him to forgive us for our sins and for our careless words and for those times where we just haven't been the Christ follower the ambassador we should have been and then so we're going to take I'm going to sit down I want you guys to just ponder on that where can you where, where do you want me to change in this, God? Do I need to go to someone or do I need to have forgiveness for someone? And then I'm gonna get up and when I go take communion at that point, just you can come on up. Hopefully you're not watching me to see if I get up, but if you notice I'm up, then it's a good time to come. So, so let me pray. Father, I just come before you and I realize every day, Lord, that I am a sinner and I'm only saved by your grace. I am... Um, 
I'm, I'm fully righteous and not at the same time. It's hard to wrap words and mind around it. It's by your righteousness, by your, we're clothed in your righteousness. Our prayers get answered because of your righteousness, not ours. Father, we come before you and I ask you to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, Lord, of our iniquities. Those idle words we've spoken, the words we've refused to speak when we know you wanted us to speak them. The words that we overheard and that we took somewhere else just because we love the power of words and we wanted respect from other people for having some knowledge they didn't. Lord, forgive us of those things. Forgive us for just being not in, on path with you, not listening to the Holy Spirit, but just chasing after our own cares and worries. So Father, I just come before you and everybody here and we just ask you to forgive us, Lord. We thank you for your healing power and the forgiveness of sin, which is only found in your son and the work he did on the cross. So Lord, as we sit here and meditate, I pray that we would just listen to your voice and hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen.